If you have your Bibles, if you would, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. We'll be in Philippians chapter 3 this morning, continuing on our discussion uh, from the hand of Paul uh, to the Philippian church. And so if you want to open up Philippians chapter 3, we will start in verse 12. So let's read this together and uh, see where the Lord takes us. Philippians chapter 3, starting verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the upward prize of the calling in Christ Jesus. Let those of you who are mature think this way, and if anyone who of you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Let's pray together. Lord, would this passage, Lord, would it come alive in our hearts? Or would you illuminate our, our minds to take in this information, but also allow our hearts to be moldable so that as we leave this morning, we're different people. People whose, whose light is brighter of the gospel, whose, whose lives are moldable to your image, so Lord, thank you for Paul's hand in writing this text. And Lord, would it change us this morning? In your name we pray. Amen. So verse 12, the first thing that we see is Paul say, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I'm pressing on to make it my own. The first key point that you're going to see on your outline is a helpful and insightful one that even Paul struggled. Even Paul struggled. Even Paul wrestled with his flesh and with tendencies towards sin, that even Paul, this great apostle of the faith, this guy who seemed to have everything together spiritually, that he had his ducks in a row spiritually struggled. This is encouraging for me to read that Paul writes, not that I've already obtained this, but I, I, I'm not already perfect, but I'm pressing on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has already made me his own. And so I'm going to keep pressing, keep walking onward, keep moving forward. Now, you pair Paul's discussion here in Philippians 3 with a quote from like Romans 7. You see it on your outline there, Romans 7, 24 and 25. Paul describes the, the affliction of his soul very clearly. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. You see Paul very, say, very clearly say, wretched man that I am, that I am a sinner desperately in need of God's grace. And if you continue on in verse, in chapter 7, you see he, he clearly articulates something that we probably feel on a daily basis. Paul writes, the things that I want to do are the things that I don't do, and the things that I do are the things that I don't want to do. Anybody feel that? You feel the weight of that. You feel that in your heart, in your soul, on a daily basis. The things that you so desperately want to do for the Lord are the things that you don't do. And the things that you do are the very things that you don't want to do. You feel like Looney Tunes at times. that You just want to do these things for the Lord. You want to grow and follow the Lord. But the very things that you do are the, these things in your flesh that just bother you and upset you. Well, you're in good company this morning. I mean, Paul, even this great apostle who had this great moment with the Lord on the Damascus Road to change his life from the inside out. And you would look at him and even put him on a pedestal to think that he's got it all together. 
And at times we read scripture and we look at people in the Bible, except for Jesus, because he truly was perfect. You look at everybody else and you say, well, they have it together. Why can't I get it together? You look at these guys and say, they're perfect. They're just following the Lord. And you're thinking about Paul in prison, joyfully rejoicing and loving life and loving the Lord through all these nooks and crannies and corners and ups and downs. But what you see is a man who calls himself wretched. A guy who at times doesn't do the things that he wants to do and doesn't do the things that he should do. So we have a tendency to look at Paul and just say, well, well, Paul's got it all together, but I don't. And and if I want to confess to you today that I am your pastor, Pastor Mark, I'm a a reverend, and you would look at me and maybe I'm wearing a jacket this morning and I've got it all together. Can I tell you I don't? Let me just tell you a little quick little anecdote. I slept terrible last night. I did. I slept like absolute trash. I'll tell you that because my kids are away with my uh, in-laws down at the beach and having a great time together. And I was so excited last night that I was going to go to sleep with no kids in my house to wake me up in the middle of the night. And I was excited. And about 2 o'clock, I got woken up by I don't know what. And I went to bed about 5 o'clock. And I woke up grumpy. You've never done this, right? You're never grumpy. You are God's fearing people, right? I woke up a little grumpy this morning. And you know that that precluded itself to driving to work this, or driving to church this morning and somebody cut me off and I, I was angry. I was frustrated. There's things inside me. God, I was supposed to have a good night of sleep last night. This isn't fair, man. God, this isn't right. I'm, I'm the pastor, man. I need a good night of sleep before Sunday. I mean, this person cut me off on the road and begin to elicit some anger and frustration. Why do I tell you that? Because we're all in this together. Did anybody at your house get a little frustrated this morning with one another? Maybe your kids didn't get quite ready as fast as they should have. Maybe your husband didn't get ready as fast as he should have. Maybe your wife didn't get dressed as fast as she should have. And maybe you were late this morning and that spurned off some frustration and some upset thoughts at one another. Maybe there's some tension as you left your house. Maybe a little fighting or frustration or angst. Anybody? We feel the weight of this. We come into this place this morning. We're not perfect. Let's get over the notion that we all have this thing together. We're all still struggling under the weight of sinfulness and our flesh rising up inside of us that causes us at times to do things that we don't want to do. And so I think it's good and healthy for us to come into this place confessing that we need Jesus. Why do we need Jesus? Because we can't even make it a morning without sinning without angst and anger and frustration and things coming out of our mouths that shouldn't and thoughts that fill our, our minds of things that, that should not be there. We recognize fully in this place that we don't have it all together yet. And so we would feel the weight of Paul's words in Romans 7 when he says, wretched man that I am. And there's many of us in this room that would say, wretched man that I am. Wretched husband that I am. Wretched wife that I am. I just, I'm a sinner in need of God's grace. So as you look at this this morning, let, let the freedom come when as you look at a man like Paul, who God surely had his hand of blessing on, can still write these words that he's, he's not yet achieved perfection, that he's still wrestling with and struggling with and striving and straining and working towards this upward calling, that he's trying to have his heart changed by the gospel and, and, and changed for the Lord, that he's still in process, that he is a work in progress. That's all of us, that we are works 
in progress of God's grace in our lives. So at no point do I want us to come into this sanctuary with a notion that everybody else has it all together and we're the only ones that don't. That we are sinners saved by God's incredible grace. So we sang that song a moment ago that we're in our foul state. And even though we are foul and we are sinners, God still saved you. God still loved and pursued you. And so it could be easy to say that, okay, Mark, you're saying we'll never achieve this perfection. We'll never come one in the way that we want to become and that we'll never be fully free of this flesh. We just give up and say, well, I've got my get out of hell free card, so I'm good to go. I'm going to ride this thing until the Lord calls me home or until the Lord comes back. I've got that card. I got it at a young age, and so I'm just going to walk this thing through. Paul couldn't do it. I can't either. And so why even try? I think we understand that that's not our calling. That the believer, as we'll see in just a little bit, the more we know and understand and trust in the Lord, the more that we hope to become like him. That we strive for the Lord to remove dirt and blemishes in our souls so that we look and act more like the Lord and our hearts reflect his glory to people better and better. We want to be formed into his image. We want to look like him. We want to talk like him. We want to think like the Lord. And friends, we feel the weight and tension of the war that wages in our souls between our flesh in our spirit. But I want you to be encouraged this morning as you see key point number one is that even Paul struggled. Even I struggle. Your Bible fellowship teacher who probably gave a wonderful, wonderful lesson this morning, they struggle. So breathe the freedom and what it looks like for us to confess to one another that we're struggling. Feel the freedom in your Bible fellowship classes to, to raise a hand and say, I need prayer. I need help. I need support. There's only one man who's been perfect in this life, and that's Jesus. So friends, feel the freedom this morning to understand and recognize that even in these words, that not that I have obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm going to keep walking. And then Paul shifts to this kind of uh, athletic metaphor. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing, one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to forget what lies behind and I'm going to walk and I'm going to press forward to the prize of the upper calling of Christ Jesus. Reminded of Hebrews 2 this morning that we want to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We're going to run with endurance the race that is set before us and throw off every weight and sin that so easily entangles us. And so for, for Paul to say uh, to Forget what lies behind and strain forward is an incredibly important part of our Christian existence. Key point number two here on your outline is forget what's behind and strive ahead. I don't know how many of you are runners. My, my dad's an accomplished runner and my wife loves to run and I hate it with everything inside of me. I hate it. It makes no sense. Let me throw a ball in a hoop or kick a ball into a, a goal or let me run from somebody or run to somebody else. But I, I, running without purpose makes no sense to me at all. Hate it. Just a little tidbit for you today, but I hate it. But one thing I do know in my running experience is it's helpful to look forward as you run. If you don't remember anything else, this is a very important point this morning. As you run, where do you fix your eyes? Oh, goodness. People, you hear? Where do you fix your eyes? Forward. You look forward. You look at what's ahead of you. 
Why? Because if you look behind you, one, you'd look like a fool, but two, you're going to trip and stumble and fall and run into all sorts of things. You're going to go slower than you otherwise could have gone. If you're looking backwards while trying to run forward, nothing is going to work out well for you. And so as Paul flips to this athletic metaphor, he's saying, forget what lies behind you and run forward the race that is in front of you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't let the distractions of what's behind you and around you trip you up and make you stumble. Fix your eyes forward and on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Throw off every weight and sin that so easily entangles you and run with endurance the race that is set before you. So I'll ask you a a simple question this morning. What keeps you looking backward? If I'm honest, this is a reality in my life. That the devil likes to whisper these lies to me about past mistakes, past shortcomings, past failures to keep me looking backward. So I'll ask you, what keeps you looking backwards? Maybe it was like Paul. Maybe you're like Paul and you had a life before Christ. A life that you may be a little bit ashamed of. You think about Paul, an ardent persecutor of the church. Standing by as disciples are martyred, Paul is there, approving of the measure. Think about Paul's life, that he came to Christ and his own apostles are afraid of him, thinking that he's going to weave his way in and then find out their their plan and then try to kill him. His own apostles are scared of Paul. Can you think if Paul was proclaiming the name of Jesus as he went and talked to people, do you think there was ever a moment where he was, he was reminded of his past? Where the enemy might whisper to Paul, remember who you used to be? Remember what you did against the Lord? Remember how awful you were in your past? And maybe there are seasons in your own life where the devil will come and whisper to you, your enemy, who's a powerful foe, will whisper to you, don't you know who you used to be? Don't you remember what you used to do? Don't you remember the things that you've been to and touched and done? And Don't you remember the things that you have experienced? And all that does is instead of fixing your eyes on Jesus, you begin to look backward. You begin to reflect and it begins to trip us up. So Paul encourages you. If you're like him with a life before Christ that you maybe you're not proud of or ashamed of, Look forward, forget what lies behind you and look forward. But maybe secondly, maybe there's broken commitments and failed attempts to overcome sin in your past that the devil continues to whisper to you. Don't you know that you've tried that before? Don't you know that you've tried to overcome that addiction before and it hasn't worked out? Don't you know that New Year's has come and gone and you've made that purpose and that plan and it hasn't worked out time and time and time again? And so what's different about this time than all those other times? Because we have a powerful foe who is mighty good at whispering these lies to us. That as you are trying with all of your heart to fix your eyes on Jesus, the enemy is whispering about everything that is around you and behind you to trip you up, to keep your eyes anywhere but Jesus. Do you know that this is the goal of our enemy, to fix your eyes anywhere but Jesus? If he can get you with things that you've done in your past, failed commitments that you've done, sin that you have not yet overcome, anything that the enemy can do to get your eyes off of Jesus is a primary purpose of our enemy. Friends, recognize it. What keeps you looking backwards? But looking backwards also stops us from obviously moving forward. You see it on your outline there. As you look backward, it stops you from moving forward. It keeps you essentially stuck in the pew. 
It keeps your feet in concrete, immovable. So instead of walking forward, running towards the prize, running toward Jesus, you are just stuck, unmoving, unchanged, maybe calloused. Friends, understand that looking back keeps you from moving forward, obviously, and it also keeps you from using the gifts that God has uniquely blessed you with. As I scan across this room and, and look at you in your eyes and think about all the many ways in which God has blessed you. And God has blessed each of you richly with a unique array of gifts and talents and resources and blessings. Man, as you look around, just the way that we all look differently and we're older and taller and younger and all these different things, we all look differently. We've all been blessed in different ways to be used by the kingdom of God. And so as we're reminded of all these things in our past, the devil wants to stop you from being used by God in a mighty way. Friends, recognize that the devil wants to keep you on the sidelines of your faith. And lastly, looking back, it keeps us from demonstrating God's grace in and through us. We all recognize that we're sinners in need of God's grace. And so when we fail to recognize God's grace over us, what he's done in and through us, as we keep looking in the rearview mirror and bringing up everything that we've been and done in our past and thinking that God cannot overcome it, then it keeps us from displaying the mighty power of God's grace in your life to forgive even a sinner like me and like you. Friends, if God can save Paul, he can save you. If God can save Mark Bethay, he can save you. We're all wretched sinners, but God has done an incredible work. So when we deny the goodness of God's grace to cover all of our sins, I want you to say the word all with me. When God saved us from all of our sins, all of them, not the small ones that you can kind of contend with, not the, the little white lies, he has saved you from all of your sins. Let that thought resonate deep in your soul that your sins have been taken, all of them, away from you. And so as you walk forward, as you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, you throw every weight and sin that so easily binds up your legs from running, and you recognize that God has saved you from everything. And so you can walk forward, not because you've done the incredible work, because God already has done it. And so you can walk forward with joy, knowing that he has done the spectacular work on your behalf. And so as you look in your past, what you do is you deny God's incredible work of grace in your life to save you from all of your sin. So friends, in our final few moments, I want to lead us to this last point. As you see in verse 13 or verse 14, it says, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of you who are mature think this way. And if anyone thinks otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Friends, maturity always leads to humility. Write that down on your note sheet. Humi uh, maturity always leads us to a place of humility. As Paul is saying that he has not yet achieved it, that he is still a work in progress. As we become mature in our faith, we recognize how far we still have left to go. As we study God's word, let me just share this with you. Friends, as you study scripture, as you read God's word and soak on it, as you dwell on it and you attend Bible fellowship classes and you learn more knowledge that comes from God's word, if it leads you to a place of pride, you are doing it wrong. 
as you study the attributes of God and as you recognize theology and study who God is, if it leads you to a place of pride, you are doing it wrong. If you come to church week after week and week after week and go to everything the church has to offer and it elicits in you pride in your soul, you are doing it wrong. Because as we mature in Christ, as we learn more about him, it leads us always to a place of humility, to recognize how more we need of Christ, how far we have yet to go, and our desire to grow more into his image. I'm reminded of our incredible organist for many years, Sarah Jo Bagley. Oh, I love that lady. Thankful for her. One of the things that she demonstrated to me over the three years uh, that I've been here and watching is she came up week after week on Wednesdays. About three or four o'clock, you could find Sarah Jo carrying her purse and her huge bag of music and her cane, walking the long walk from over on Scott Street all the way over down the ramp up in here, and she would sit right here for about an hour, an hour and a half, and she would practice. Week after week, after a week, she would practice. And there was a thought one day that I, like, Sarah Joe, you've been doing this almost 40 years. I think you got it by now. I mean, do you really need to come up here? I mean, this is a long deal for you to walk all the way up here. Do you need to keep practicing? And she would always respond, yeah, I got a long way to go. I still, there's still more to learn, still more to, I want to be, make sure I'm as good as I can be every Sunday morning. I think about a guy like Joe Watkins, who is, uh, shared Wednesday night his evangelism testimony. And when I think of evangelists, I, I always think of Joe Watkins, who, who loves to share the gospel with his job and with his life. Joe continues semester after semester, takes a few off here and there, but semester after semester, Joe Watkins is at the ABCs of evangelism class. And when I asked Joe, I said, Joe, you've already taken this class so many times. Why are you here again? And he says, I just want to be a better evangelist for the Lord. I haven't made it yet. I still have a lot to learn. You know, as I look at mature believers, that's a hallmark trait of believer after believer after believer that I see is, I still have a lot to learn. I still have a lot to grow in. I need God's grace more and more in my life. I want to learn more. I want to understand God more so I can shine brighter for him. And this is where I say, as Paul is recognizing that uh, those are mature should think this way, that, that we've not yet achieved it, that we still have a long way to go, and we still are fighting and contending and fixing our eyes with endurance because the race is set before us. So friends, maturity, maturity will always lead us into humility. So I'd ask you this morning, as you just check your heart and look into your heart, do you see recesses of pride as you attend church as you read your Bible? Or does it lead you to a place of, God, thank you? A place of humility to say, God, thank you for saving a sinner such as I. God, the more I know about you, the more I I love you and fall in love with you, the more I want to know about you. Every time I pull open a rock and I see something else about you, I think, this is incredible. And you move on to the next one, just always anticipating, learning more and knowing more because there's endless amounts of knowledge to be found. takeaway this morning is we want to be open to God's transforming work in and through you. As we've talked this morning, knowing that we are not yet perfect, that God has not yet made us perfect, that we're straining on and pressing forward to this call that God has given us, that we need to be open to God's transforming work in you and through you. Let's pray together. Dear Father, this morning we are deeply confessing our need of you. Or thank you that we are recognizing this morning that 
we all come into this place with, with struggles, with fleshy tendencies, with hurts. And Lord, we are confessing that without you, we have no hope. Lord, thank you for saving us and taking us from the pit of hell and taking us to new life. So Lord, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.